This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting Sales EQ, Objections, and Inked, and I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. Welcome back to another episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Vidyard, my favorite video messaging app. Vidyard is my go-to whenever I want to send a video message to a client. And one of the things I like to do, for example, is when I set an appointment to reduce no-shows, what I'll do is shoot a, a quick message after I send over the, uh, the, the the meeting invite. So I'll just hold my phone up and say, hi, Bruce, this is Jeb from Sales Gravy. Thank you so much for meeting with me. I'm looking forward to learning more about you. I'll see you at Thursday at 2. All of the information for our meeting is in the meeting invite I sent you yesterday. And I send that off to them with the Vidyard app. And it reduces my no-shows by as much as 70%. You can get the Vidyard app for free right now, free. That's free forever at salesgravy.vidyard.com. That's salesgravy.vidyard.com. And speaking of video, with me today is Bruce Himmelblau. Is that right? Did I say that right, Bruce? Yes. Bruce Himmelblau. Yes, you're perfect. Awesome. And, and Bruce is an award-winning filmmaker, which is kind of interesting to have a filmmaker on the Sales Gravy podcast. And Bruce and his crew have been chasing me down to be on the podcast. They've been driving me nuts to get on the podcast. So Bruce, I guess my first question for you is why? Like, why in the world would you want to be on the Sales Gravy podcast? Well, actually, I think the reason why I reached out to you was to, for you to be on my show. And I guess we got our wires crossed and I ended up being on your show because I know your time is limited. And if one person was going to be on one show, I guess the largest advantage would be for me to be on your show. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about video. So this is a, something that you are absolutely dialed into as a filmmaker, producer. You do a lot of work in live stream with businesses, which has really blown up over the pandemic. So let's just dial this into like the individual salesperson. How is video changing the landscape for salespeople and how we interact with our customers? Well, video and video sales has been around forever. Ever since the invention of television, uh, people have been using television and video to sell their product. Um, in the beginning, it was live TV. You would have sponsorships. Um, someone would be on uh, some comedy show like Milton Berle. And if you don't know who Milton Berle is, Google it. So, and they would do, and they would actually promote the product, just like you opened up with Vidyard uh, as a sponsor. Um, Colgate uh, toothpaste would be a sponsor. And so video has been used for to sell products for ever since uh, video was invented. Well, so for for an individual salesperson using video, and let's just take this as a filmmaker and a producer. And as I as I looked at your bio, it sounds like what you've done over the years as you built your business and got into more video marketing that you allowed sort of this this whole idea of how we tell a story in business and marketing to shape the way that you produce videos. And, and, and so I'm, I'm really interested, and this is, again, I'm going to take you into a, a larger scale for businesses in just a moment, but for a salesperson who is trying to connect with their clients and it's harder than ever the day to get in with, with people, maybe you're sending a video message, maybe you're creating something you're putting on Vimeo or YouTube, what are some of the elements of creating a good short video for your clients that the individual salesperson with maybe just all they have is, you know, a, a ring light and a, and a, a cell phone? Like, what should they be thinking about in terms of creating or stacking that story? Well, if you're a salesperson, you've got the story already because all the all the 
cell phone does is capture that story. And sure, you may want some good quality in there because what I've learned a lot is there's what's called signal to noise ratio. And if the if there's too much noise between you and the message, your customer is not going to get that message. And so with, I've done a lot of these videos where uh, deliver a product to a client. And then the client is like telling you how much they appreciate your services, pull out your cell phone, keep it steady. Cause always again, signal to noise, the, the steadier the image, the better and ask them to tell you to that camera, what they like about you. And then you've got an automatic testimonial. And then you can take that testimonial on your next sales call. It's like bringing your best customer with you on every sales call. I think that's fantastic. It was one of the things that I've worked with my business to do a lot better with my salespeople and my trainers uh, is when a customer says, hey, you did a really nice job, is to ask, hey, would it be okay if we just put that on video really quickly and hold up the phone? It kind of makes people nervous. Like they're afraid if I do that. And I've even, you know, I've got my own production crew. We have our own studios. And so we'll send our own production crew out. Like if a customer says, hey, we really like that. We just go, can we send the production crew out, put them on an airplane, which has been a little bit tough during the pandemic. Uh, and we'll, we'll send them out and shoot the video. Let's talk about this, the, that ex the exact same concept for small businesses and growing businesses is how can you use those, those video testimonials and what should you be thinking as a business for shooting those videos and, uh, and then maybe even editing them in a way that, that tells your story through the eyes of your customer? Well, I've got a great story about that is we actually uh, produced a number of videos. We had a client who does... Um, funding for companies. So if you want, want to, let's say you want to build buy a building and you need funding and you go to the bank and you fill out the forms and the, and the bank comes back to you and says, well, can you fill out some more forms? And you fill out those more forms. And, and then it goes it's back and forth, back and forth. It's like kind of trying, trying to get a mortgage for a house. And eventually some businesses just say, you know, there are way too many forms. I've, I've got a business to run. I don't have time to fill out these forms. So I did, we did a video. We had a client who actually is a middleman for that. And we, went out to uh, six of his favorite clients, sat them down. And one of our specialties is working with non-professionals, people who aren't comfortable in front of a camera. And so the key there is to stand behind the camera, have them talk to a person and not to a lens. I know that over the past year, year and a half, we've gotten really used to talking to a lens and not to a real person. And so what we did was we went out to one locations and we sat down, we talked to him and we kind of had a conversation and we asked some of the questions as why you, you, what issues you had with getting this loan, um, how the, our client was able to help you. And basically we, we produced six videos for him and he put those up on YouTube and they've only gotten maybe what, a hundred, maybe 200 views, but those few hundred, few hundred views, He's actually been able to close five multi-million dollar deals. 
I, I th well, I think that's what I think that's what's important, especially in today's world of video. We think that a video has to get lots and lots of views in order for it to be successful. It's sort of that social media thing, right? Where we think we post something online, we got to get a lot of likes. And when we post testimonial videos on, say, LinkedIn or YouTube, they don't really get a whole lot of people looking at them. Now we put them on our website and we put them up, uh, you know, on social. But it really only matters that the right people are looking at those videos and that people are seeing your credibility. We, we also, one of the things that we do, I think that, that, that if you're like a salesperson even shooting with your phone, is we just use PowerPoint to embed the video in a PowerPoint. So if we're walking through and we're telling our story, we'll say, let's, let's take a look at what one of our customers said about this particular aspect of our training program. And we can even take small clips of, you know, of those videos. In fact, we've got one that's 16 seconds long, but it's really powerful because we got the customer to talk about their experience with this one thing that typically creates a question for us in the presentation. So we're able to take those clips and pull them out. And I love the fact that you made like six different videos. A couple of things that I've learned in creating testimonial videos in particular is it's the questions that you ask that matter. So what, what, when we get testimonial videos that are flat or not, like they're just not up to, to, to snuff, they don't really tell a compelling story, we typically go out and we go, well, tell us all about how you feel about us. And customers don't know what to say, you know, they, and, and one of the things that happens, Bruce, and you've probably seen this before is off camera, like they say something and it's absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as you turn the, turn the camera on, what they said before becomes just drivel and it's no good. So what, what I do as CEO, when I'm sending my film crew out, or if I'm working with someone like you, who, you know, this is what you do for a living is how your business helps companies market is I'm very prescriptive about exactly what I want to ask so that I'm getting answers to questions so that when we go into the post-production and editing, we're able to take those, those different questions and build multiple videos from them. And, uh, and then the, the other thing that I'm really, you know, keen on, especially when I'm working with a production crew is make sure you're getting me good B-roll. I mean, a lot of times they'll come back and all they've shot is the interview and we have nothing in between to, to you know, to place that shows the customer's business or shows their salespeople on the telephone. So talk to me a little bit about that, that planning. That's a little bit different than the salesperson who says, hey, could you say that in front of my camera? Like that's one thing, but... But like just thinking about the questions that you want to ask so that you're prompting the customer and making it easy for them to give you a good a good story, a good testimonial that other people can relate to. Definitely. Well, one of the tricks is, especially these days, we're not shooting on film and we're not shooting on tape. So these digital uh, cards are re reusable. So when you're asking that question the first time, you should be recording. And don't tell the client that you are recording, just kind of, again, carry on that conversation and they'll feel more natural. And again, in most situations, when you're doing an interview, you're not actually looking at the camera, you're looking at the interviewer. So it's okay to be slightly off, off center. So if they're looking at you, because if you ever look at those TV talk shows, their conversation is this way. And very rarely are they actually look, looking directly at the camera. I guess in the day of Zoom and conversation that way, we've gotten more used to looking directly at the camera. So it's okay for them to be slightly off camera, looking slightly offside. And then, so when you ask them the questions, always be recording. And then kind of, um, if they don't say it quite right, maybe you can prompt them on a more direct wording. But in most cases, 
if they're uncomfortable on camera, get them to not look at the camera, get them distracted, get them uh, away from feeling that they're on camera. And again, with you, you say you're, you're flying your, your crew around the country. A lot of companies don't have that, that uh, budget. And so it's basically who's ever on location. And we've done a lot of these uh, location videos here uh, within driving distance so that we come in and shoot um, the interview first, because that way we know what they said. Once we hear what they said, then we can say, okay, and, and our fry machine is one of the best uh, newest inventions uh, that we've developed. It can fry uh, an egg in, in 30 seconds. We now write that down. Okay, get make sure that we get a shot of them frying an egg. And again, I think it was uh, Mel Brooks who said, "Give me one good uh, close up, and I can and I can save any scene." But it's always better to show than tell. So if I had more footage, if I can bring in additional content, even with a live video, and we've been doing this with our uh, with our live streams is if we have a client on camera or an interview on camera and they mention a website or they mention a movie uh, as a producer behind the scenes, we can actually go in and pull up that content and show them what they're talking about because it's always better to show than tell. And again, during the interview, take notes, everything they say, if it's uh, every time a our customer walks in the door that we give them a smile, have that as a, as a cutaway. And you said B-roll. B-rolls are also cutaways, uh, sh shots that are not your primary footage for those people who kind of glossed over what a B-roll was. Yeah, you know, I shot a, 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 a video with a client recently who uh, said something really nice to us. Now, I planned the whole thing out. They said something nice. I said, would it be okay if we shoot this video together? And they said, yes. And, and what I did was I did the entire thing on my phone. I didn't have my production crew ready. And I did the, I mean, the entire thing on, I had a GoPro and an iPhone. I planned out what I was going to do, basically. And then I made a very intentional focus on shooting B-roll and cutaways, just of the product, of what they were doing, of how they were doing it. And then the interview quality, the video itself is three minutes long. And there, you know, there, there's me talking, them talking. And it's a really compelling story. It was so good that they wanted to put it on their website to advertise me because of just how I did it. And I did the, I edited the entire thing on, uh, on Final Cut. So I just used, which is, you know, the, the, the older brother or older cousin of, uh, of, or the, I guess, more advanced cousin of, of iMovie. I could have easily done it on iMovie, but it would, it allowed me to pull the cuts in a little bit easier. And I had, and I was able just, to use Ken Burns to do close-ups. So even in that case, I didn't have to even do a lot of cropping in order to build it. And this was just me. And I and I'm like, and I'm 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 looking at the camera, I'm, you know, and, and I'm talking into the microphone for all of the 20-somethings out there. I'm old, right? And Bruce is old, and we can figure this stuff out. You can too. Now, if you're a business owner, like you said, it get look, it costs a lot of money to do these things. And I I held back for a long time as a business owner building these testimonial videos. Videos because I would go to someone like you and I would say, how much does it cost? And you give me a number and I would be like, oh, wow, I can't afford to do that. But the cost of me putting, you know, two of my of my you know producers, somebody, you know, someone who's film, you know, actually running the camera, someone doing the interview or even sometimes me doing the interviews, because like if someone gives me the answer that they don't want, I've got enough confidence to say, let's try that again. Give me this answer. But 
put them on an airplane, spending a couple of thousand bucks to send them out there, coming back and editing the entire thing, I'm probably all in five grand on a testimonial video uh, to do it to do it well. And but I'm able to use it forever. You know, I'm able to use it over and over and over again with my clients. And like you said, you got one client who sold five multi-million dollar deals off one testimonial video. It matters. Uh, and it matters to tell your story on camera. So let's let's talk a little bit about that for business owners, people who want to, executives, people who want to grow. Video is expensive. There's no doubt about it. You know, I figure somewhere between $10,000 and $25,000 per finished hour to create good video. And when you tell people that, when you say $25,000 per finished hour, which is what I charge in order to do videos for my clients, they gasp. They're like, oh my God. And I'm like, well, let me explain what's going to go on. Like, I got to put people on site. I got to do this. I got to set cameras up. We're talking about three days of work. Plus, we got to do editing and you're going to be pushing back on the editing. This is a lot of work to do. Talk about the economics, Bruce, for the businesses that you work with when you help them create videos for you know, for them to use in their business beyond just testimonials. I mean, there's explainer videos, there's stories about their people. What's the value of that for a business? And why should business owners, when they're looking at the cost, think maybe even look differently at what it costs to create that video? Well, it comes down to ROI, uh, return on investment. So if you're spending $25,000 and you get back 10,000, that's a negative ROI. But if you're spending 10,000 to make 25,000 and you can do that every single time, then you're, you're doubling your, your, your income, your, your money. Although a business doesn't run purely on that, that profit because that 25,000, that $15,000 profit is somewhere else it goes into other estimates. So as a salesperson, I guess your job would be to convey that story and Working the working in your budget or as a sales owner as well, then if you can budget out your marketing, because uh, I think the rule of thumb is what ten percent of your gross should be go to, goes towards marketing, and there's more things than just video in that marketing mix. There's advertising. There's uh, there's lunches, and and so when you're budgeting your marketing funds. I think video can be the most cost effective because people would rather watch a video than read a white paper. And if you can give them the white paper and give them the video at the same time for them to follow through, because the white paper isn't going to give them the demonstrations, the video has that almost like being there because you can see what's happening, you can hear what's happening. And so as far as the overall budget, there are a lot of companies. I know you're at twenty five thousand. We've done videos at half that, and still produced high quality. So it really, and then there's these high school and college kids who will do it for a tenth of that, or or a hundredth of that, just for the education. So. Again, a lot has to do with the person behind the camera, the person. Um, getting that message, pulling that message out of the non-professional client. 
And so that's who you're really hiring. You're not really hiring the equipment. You're hiring the person who is getting that message for you and editing that message. And if you give one piece of footage to five different editors, you're going to end up with five different videos because no one's going to edit the same way. So a lot has to do with the people. Uh, just like in sales, uh, one salesperson can close a sale where another person won't be able to. So a lot has to do with um, ROI. Well, I think that this is what I think is difficult for people. And so when you say $25,000 per finished hour, just to make sure everybody's clear on that, that's a finished hour. So if it's a three-minute video, then it's going to be 120 seconds, essentially, divided into $25,000. So it's not going to cost you $25,000, but that's going to be a video that's going to cost you $2,500 or $3,000, which is about the going rate, three to, you know, three to $5,000 to build a really good video. The problem is, is that one video doesn't do you any good. You need a lots of videos. So you've got to have lots of, of cut up stories over time. And a lot of it's faith. Like you just, you know, when we look at, like you said, people prefer video though. I saw a poll just recently on LinkedIn, but it was, I mean, it's a good poll. 25,000 people clicked on it and it was basically asked, how do you like to consume information? Video. The, the, according to, um, uh, uh, Cisco, who runs, they do this annual web report. By 2025, 85% of the traffic online is going to be video. So we are consuming video at an ever increasing pace. And there's, like you said, I love what you said, there's, you know, there's editing, but it's more than just the editor. Like if you wanna build really good quality video, you need an editor and you need a director. Like you've gotta have someone or a producer who is looking over the, the, the shoulder of the editor and going, hey, I don't like that cut, or that went on, like what I'll do is I'm like, that went on about one beat too long. We need to cut right there. We need a filler. We need to move on to the next scene because, because you're exactly right. Editing is what makes it. And it's one of the reasons why I do a lot of my own editing because I've got like this idea in my head about what I want something to look like. And, but that's different than maybe something I'm putting on my website versus something that I'm going to put on Instagram that's going to last for a day versus something that's going to last forever. And I think one of the things that, like you said, you, you know, high school students can do this, but I just say business owners, you can do this. Just Bruce, just the other day ago, we were sitting in a meeting with my team and I looked around at the team and I said, what's wrong with this picture? And they all, you know, they're everybody's like coming up with something. And finally, my director of operations goes, nobody's got a camera on. I go, yeah, nobody's got a camera on. We just said some stuff that was amazing and nobody captured it. And I think learning how to have the camera on all the time for business owners matters because of the way we consume video and how you can chop video up in different pieces. And it doesn't always have to be absolutely perfect. And oh, by the way, it doesn't cost anything to have a camera on. What do you say to that? Well, definitely. Um, I used to say, um, if it's not captured on camera, it never happened. So if it, and so we used to do uh, event videos uh, back in the very beginning. And a lot of times we would get clients say, well, we're going to, you're going to be there for four hours. We expect to have four hours of video. So you don't want four hours of video. Um, you want to capture the highlights. You want to capture the, the key moments. And that's the same thing with a, with editing. Uh, Spike Lee, uh, was one who who was talking about how if you can cut out one or two frames, it can make a break of, of a movie. And so a lot has to do with the editing. And again, that has like to bring me back to some of the, the film background is as a film editor, you've got to tell a story. 
you really have no you, the person watching the video the, the movie really isn't invested in the movie like a business would be invested in the product or even a customer would be invested in watching that video because in, eventually they're looking to buy that product in a movie you've, you're walking in with really no, no investment at all so you've got to sell that that story to that person and again a lot of times a business owner will produce a video that is, here's my product. It does this, this, and this, and look at the pretty colors and look at, look at the great design. And they totally ignore the story, the story about how the one customer was looking to buy a building and they went to the bank and the bank wanted all the paperwork. And the person said, I have a business to run. I can't fill up all this paperwork. I went to George and he was able to help me because if without George's help, this this deal would have never closed. And that's the story. And that's the benefit of how the client is kind of the hero of the story. So let's uh, let's take a step back and think about um, being on on Zoom like we're on right now. We're on we're on a Zoom. We're talking to each other. We can see each other uh, during this interview. One of the we go back to testimonials. So we were talking about hold your iPhone up or like bring your crew in over the last year and a half. That's not really been possible. Like we've had to do testimonial videos on Zoom, people looking directly at the camera. That has been exceedingly difficult. It's been difficult because of poor video quality. So we've had to be really creative with our editing. It's been difficult because we have no B-roll and no cuts. Uh, one of the things that we've done is we've like at the end of some of our training programs, we'll just ask the audience, like, tell us what you thought about this. And we'll just capture all of that. And then we'll get permission to use some of those pieces. But when we're like sitting down with someone asking them directly, hey, tell us a little bit about your experience with us. It's been hard. I mean, people have been like they're they're they've been um, not as good as they are in person. Like you can't get them looking away from the camera. That's just not possible. What are some tips and tricks for interviewing people or capturing good video when all you have is this compressed you know, Zoom window that that and, and sometimes not even a very good background on your client side? to create a story with that and use it in a way that is still compelling to the viewer? Well, you're not limited to Zoom. Uh, there are other platforms out there. We're using um, a platform called um, StreamYard. And we would do all our, our webcasting off of that and our live streams off of that. So you can get, there are other platforms that can get a little bit better quality from your client. And again, make them full screen. Um, so that you're not using the two up window when you're doing the interview, have them full screen and make sure they've got good audio. Um, that is really important. People like ignoring the audio. They just been going with their webcam or whatever microphone is on their laptop. Uh, invest in a, a microphone. Uh, they're, they range anywhere from $50, $50 on up to $500. But, let me let me let me stop you there because let's okay. let's just talk real life, okay? So real life is you got your client; they want to give you a testimonial. 
they're not going out and buying a microphone to give you a testimonial. I mean, you may be able to send it to them, but you got them, right? And so you got to deal with what you got. I mean, that's the challenge, right? The StreamYard's fantastic, but trying to get a client to get connected to StreamYard when they use Zoom or Teams every single day, you're creating a burden for them and they're trying to do a favor for you. So working with what you have, like I totally get everything you're talking about. And when that's possible, it's wonderful. That's why we send a film crew out because we can control the video, the audio, the lighting. We can move them around and create different backdrops. But the challenge is, you know, you're you're a sales rep and I'm, I'm on the phone with Bruce and or I'm on the call with Bruce and Bruce goes, man, I love you guys. And I'm like, OK, let's capture that. How do I do that? And I'll give you one example. So, for example, on Zoom, you if you use the two up view, you're going to get a, a, a much higher value or higher quality picture. So you have to take that in editing and then crop out the other person so that you can still get a better person. When you go 640 on the video screen, when it's just one up, it's a much more compressed video. And even us, where we've got so much, you know, we have so many seats on, on Zoom, we're able to get a little bit higher um, quality picture from them. It's still tough. So let's just talk about, I mean, just reality. And I, I, know, I, I hear everything you're saying. You're exactly right. Audio matters, video matters, lighting matters, all those things matter. But you're just trying to get like in that moment, something good from your customer. What are some tips you have for people in real life, just being able to get something that they can work with and make it compelling? Well, I think first of all, um, not to disagree with you totally, but when you do the full screen on Zoom, you're still getting the same number of pixels than we are half that size <clears throat> because you're going to end up having to blow that up anyways. So if you're, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're distributing your video as a 640 by 480, then we're getting kind of geeky out here, but you're not, you're getting the same image, whether it's blown up to full screen or, or not. So idea is to keep your your image the cleanest is try to stay with your nat your, your native size whatever that may be and so to get that talking point is we're basically what we're you've done we've talked about before is in the middle of a conversation hit the record button let them know you're recording and just talk to them and then have them give you the information that they've been talking about uh, in a natural uh laid back way because once you start telling them what to say once you tell have them retry to rephrase what they say they start getting nervous there is a classic episode of the old dick van dyke show where these two kids are in a tv commercial and they're playing non-professional kids and so at one point they said um they, they weren't very good and he says well i said well they're not professionals because yes professionals get better. And so in the, some cases, when you're not used to being in front of the camera on a continual basis, you're going to get nervous, you're going to get second thought, think what you're saying, second thoughts to what you're saying. See, and then you're going to not say the same thing as naturally as you said it the first time. So again, as we talked about before is keep the camera rolling while you're in the, that initial stage of conversation. Because when they, they tell you those gems, it's going to be natural and it's going to be unrehearsed. Okay, perfect. Real quickly before we go, I want to change the subject and let's talk about um, life as a TV show. 
This year, we took our outbound conference. This is a conference that we run every single year in Atlanta. Uh, it's one of the biggest sales conferences in the world, and we live stream for the very first time. And it was uh, it was basically running a, a TV show. We had uh, we had you know multi multi cameras. We were using you know broadcast quality Panasonics. And one of the things that we 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 you know we had we were grappling with is we had backstage cameras, we had front stage cameras, we had multiple switches, we had overheads. Is the cost of actually running a live stream in that environment? So you were thinking, you know, you go, this is really easy. We'll just go live stream. You know, go to go to Vimeo, go to you know, go to Streamyard, go to any of the different things that you can use. Uh, and that's really that's really not going to work for you because you've got a worldwide audience who is literally watching like TV, and everybody's doing a live stream today. I mean, you can do Streamyard. You can, you know, I'm I'm asked to be on a dozen live streams a week, which I typically don't get on because there's no audience for them. They're just they're empty. Uh, but when we're talking about live streaming a conference, right, and doing it well, um, that's a completely different animal because at this point now you've got a live audience who are they're sitting in seats. You've got an audience sitting at home that's watching this on on basically on TV, and you have to have a director and you have to have two producers, right? So on each side, you got to have two different boards that you're working with. Your you got an RMTP feed that's going into you know whatever you're producing with that that with on the stream, and you've got upload speeds on your internet that absolutely have to be dialed in. But it was incredibly successful. People loved it. I mean, they loved it, and they loved the camera shots and the cuts and the how we were running things. I mean, it was literally like running a live sports television show. I mean, we could have had a TV truck out there, but it was incredibly expensive, and it required us to completely rethink how we put on a show because we have a live audience. One of the things that we had to rethink was no breaks. There are no breaks because the people are watching at home don't need a break, right? They can take a break anytime they want to. I'm interested because you're in live stream, you're in video marketing, you're a producer, a filmmaker, you've got all this experience. And this is for this is much more of a general question, but I'm really interested. What does the future look like for live events? And uh, and and blending live stream with uh, in person and even you know the day ago we did we did this have a forty five foot green screen wraparound green screen did an, a conference where they projected me in three D onto a stage in another country that was really cool like what's what does the future look like and I see you smiling and I know you got an answer for this because this is probably going through your head every single day. Well, actually, we did a, uh, a hybrid event um, just let, was maybe yeah, two months ago. It was an IT conference, and it's usually held here in Chicago, and they people fly in from all over the country. But because of COVID, um, travel was reduced. And so they had opened it up to anyone. Um, we, we streamed it to a, to a private YouTube channel, so you had to have an invite and have the link to get in. And so we had people on site on location, as well as those watching. And there were two options of, of doing this. One is to create individual clips from each video where you would stop a, a stream. And then when they left that room, they would go to the next room for the next speaker. And in hindsight, because we ended up doing a lot of editing on a lot of their, these presentations, is is it was much better to, as you mentioned, is just let the camera run all day, 
without the breaks and then do the post uh, afterwards. And we did this with, with a, a, a small crew. We had one camera. We had three people. Uh, one person was the uh, the PA, the person who, who kind of makes sure all the laptops were plugged in, all the PowerPoints were in the right place. We had the camera person and they had myself as the producer director to oversee the entire arrangement. And we did it on a low, it was low cost. It was it made the, the conference made up, made a profit, even though there are a small number of people attending, I think they had less than maybe like 50 people in attendance and then maybe another hundred online, but because it was live streamed, it was recorded because it was recorded and can be repurposed. And a lot of the content was green, uh, evergreen. It was none, you can use it this year, you can use it next year, you can use it the year, year after. So that gives them the opportunity to repurpose the content to those who weren't there live, who weren't wa watching it on the live stream, can then consume it later on. So that is one of the key things about these hybrid events is they're all repurposable. Uh, if I think their uh, Apple has their conferences recorded and people will watch those years later, and those are very topical. Those are very uh, current, but still people will watch it over and over again. So once it's recorded, and that is a key with all, any recordings is it can be repurposed. It does not have, to, it's not a one and done. You spend all this money on this one idea and now you've got a you've got nothing to show for it yeah the you know we've always rec you know recorded everything the i thought that what was really amazing was taking the imag feed and uh and and being able to have all of the cameras that we had i don't know seven or eight cameras professional camera operators running in um and and we're feeding all of that into the 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 live stream production board and then there's a person who is literally making decisions and it'd be like being in a tv truck outside of a baseball game you know they're making a decision what camera is going to go on and and we added the complexity of having multiple channels so that if you wanted to if you wanted to move into back backstage you could go backstage we had a, a producer backstage so we had we were doing interviews backstage we had people out in the audience it was really it was really complex it cost about 100 grand to do just the you know just that portion of it um, but really really high quality and the the beautiful thing about it is um, if you're if you're running that type of a, an event typically you're taking the 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 recording off of the imag so the director that's running the show is able to to then give you that information or that that you know that that cut but you're also recording the live stream cut so you're able to look at both producers like you said the editors you know everybody's going to get of a different take and so you get some different looks at the same speech just based on the creativity of the person who's producing it and you're right it creates evergreen content it allows us to give the audience we were we ran it on a on our own platform a platform called fee loop uh, and we we give the audience the ability to come back and later on literally go back through the conference and watch the conference which is a challenge by the way with with uh, I, I really hate the word hybrid I, I prefer the word blended but a blended conference where you've got in person you've got online you've got watch it later uh, content that's just on demand the really hard part that I found was post-production 
because you like you've got all this energy going into the conference and then you've got like the you know with three days of conference you're running you know 10 hours a day you get 30 hours of video getting that chopped up and and in post-production in the right way and loaded back on the platform so people could see it in a timely manner so they weren't complaining that you weren't getting it up and i just felt like the complexity of that is just going to continue to uh, to evolve, and I even see um, VR getting in the middle of this, so that you just put on your Oculus headset and you just go to the conference on on Oculus. Yep. Again, uh, we've done those conferences where we've had um, a four day conference and had to re edit the content to distribute it to the final. Um, audience. But the idea here is keep it simple. Um, you talked about the iMag, um, which is in, in my industry, we call it ISO or isolate, because you've got seven cameras going. And each individual camera has their own recording device. And that way, mm -hmm. if there is something that massively goes wrong, or even something that minorly, you say, well, we, we missed that, Let, let's put that back in. You can go back to that footage that is recorded directly onto that single camera and put that in there. And again, having a team of editors always makes time goes faster as opposed to just sending, put it giving uh, four days of a conference to a single editor. They've got to live through those four days all by themselves. But if you give it to four different editors, now you've got one day to live through. Oh, and you're talking about a massive amount of data. I mean, just it's just massive. So you're exactly right. It's the team of editors. It's the keeping people on track afterwards. Uh, it's you know there's I'm excited about the future of of these conferences and the way it's going to work, but I think that the one thing that conference if you're running an event whether it's a simple event you're running off Streamyard or Vimeo live stream or any of the other live stream platforms that are popping up if it's that or if it's a major conference you uh, you really need to think planning and you need to think people and you need to think the complexity of it and you need to think like you're uploading a mass amount of data. So you better be on fiber because you're never going to get it up onto the cloud if you don't do that. So you've just got a lot of stuff going on. And, um, and I, a lot of learning for us going through this process of what does it really take? What does it really cost to do that? But everything that you said is exactly right, Bruce, you know, you've, you've got repurposable content, you can cut it up into small pieces, you can, you can, change the way people consume it. Uh, it's it's meeting people where they are. And I think that's the beautiful thing about video from what we were talking about earlier. You just pull your iPhone out, right? And you shoot a quick video and send it to your customer versus doing testimonials versus working on a flat screen on Zoom versus going you know big time, hiring a company like yours to come in and you know create a series of videos for the organization. There's so much out there for video that I think that the biggest thing is that from a salesperson to a business owner, um, you got to pay attention to this and you got to think about what does it take. And when you start thinking about the cost of it, there's there's some of it's just got to have you got to have faith. But but you've got professionals like Bruce and his team who are just really good at this. And if you want to get it done faster and get it done better, you're going to want to go talk to someone like Bruce. So, Bruce, let's just talk a little bit about your business and tell people where they can find out more about you and how you can help them with live stream, with you know shooting testimonial videos or explainer videos or working with them in their conference or event to make it better, a better audio experience and give them the video content that they can use to get the ROI that you talked about. Well, a little bit on my background. Um, I started way back in high school with, at our high school radio station. Um, we were interviewing um, the, the movie um, 
uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail had just come out. Um, so being a uh, adventurous uh, young high school kid, I went in and set up an interview uh, with Graham Chapman and Terry Jones. And that, I think that's really where my interviewing skills got started is talking with professionals, interviewing those. And then we had um, from there, uh, as far as we, over the past year and a half, we've been doing a lot of live streams. I've uh, I've gotten five uh, clients who actually produce their live streams for them. This way, you don't need to know the tech. All you need to do is show up on camera with your questions. And a lot of times people get distracted. I like right, right here with this conversation, you're on camera, I'm on camera. There's someone behind the scenes pushing the buttons on your end uh, so that you don't have to worry about that. And that's what we've been doing for the past year and a half is we've been producing the live streams, getting the message out there. Podcasting has gotten more popular. Um, from my viewpoint, uh, we turned a podcast into a video cast. Uh, it was called Indie Film Nation, where it started off as a podcast interviewing filmmakers from around the world. And then uh, I got on board and went to the Chicago Film Festival with my camera because that was the best microphone I had. And, and then hooked up the, uh, the wireless mics to each of us and had a conversation there. So we've been doing a lot of interviewing. We've been teaching, teaching people how to interview better. Um, I'm writing a book on getting your A-list, your, your, getting your dream client or getting your dream interview on your podcast and how to interview them if you want to build your brand. Because a lot of these days, it's personal brand and tying your personal brand into your company brand if you're the owner of a company. I know you're doing this, this sales gravy. This is fantastic, which ties into your personal brand. Now, if you started doing a cooking show, I'm not sure how, what your audience is going to be like. So we've been doing that. We've been expanding beyond the in-person videos. We're starting to get a little bit more into that. Uh, these days, we did the, the combined uh, event with live and live streamed. And we're helping people learn how to leverage video. And uh, I'm at bsvp.com is in Blue Sky Video Productions and um, BSVP TV across all social networks. Awesome. Very good. Good, good website. Very good. And stay tuned, by the way, we're, we're having a, we've got a brand new uh, a documentary called Outbound, uh, about a 20 minute documentary. We're, we're going to be submitting it to some of the indie film festivals that tells the story of how we were the first big conference to come out after the pandemic and everything we went through during that process. So we had a, uh, a, a film crew that came in and uh, that we work with that built the uh, entire uh, uh, documentary for us. But like you said, we're going to be leveraging the documentary to tell our story, but also to create more interest in the Outbound Conference and what we do. So it's going to be a very, uh, a very interesting year. Thank you so much, Bruce, for spending time with us today. I, I think that everybody's interested in how you can use video for 
uh, for your business to connect with clients, to tell your story, and it's not going to go away. I mentioned the Cisco report. It's going to continue to climb the amount of video that people consume on all the different networks and channels. So it's important that that you, as a sales professional or business owner or an executive, that you get good at this uh, and that you understand it because it's going to be a part of your life. And don't forget, if you want to use my favorite app for sending video to clients, it's Vidyard. I love Vidyard. I use it every single day. And you can get your access to Vidyard absolutely free at salesgravy.vidyard.com. That's salesgravy.vidyard.com. I'll see you next time on the Sales Gravy Podcast.